Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thank you very much for tuning in. A little later in the show, we're going to talk about a lawsuit filed against the state for its treatment of Detroit kids in the relation to Detroit public schools. Is there a constitutional right to literacy. That suit raises that question. It's been raised before in the courts and said, no, this new suit, people think it has maybe a better chance of making waves. We're going to talk with, uh, with a reporter who's been covering it and a professor in law, uh, constitutional expert at the University of Michigan. We'll also talk a little later with Ali Harb of the Arab American News about how the Dearborn schools are changing and how people are reacting. And of course, today, Wednesday, midweek, we are still working with just uh, the social media aspect of your participation in the show. No phones still this week. We'll be back with the phones on Monday. Uh, but if you want to participate in the conversation today, go to our Facebook page, WDET, the Facebook page there, or go to Twitter and hashtag us at Detroit Today. We'll try to work your comments into the discussion. Up front, I want to talk about a subject that keeps coming up over and over here on Detroit Today, and there are good reasons for that. Last night, protests erupted in Charlotte, North Carolina, after the fatal police shooting of a black man. And in Tulsa, Oklahoma, a video emerged this week of an unarmed man with his arms raised in the air, being gunned down by police alongside his broken-down vehicle. Meanwhile, in Detroit, a police officer was shot by a young man, and that officer later died of his injuries. The officer from Detroit could have shot and killed the man who killed him, but he didn't. He did everything right, it seems, yet still paid the ultimate price. And the same can be said of the man killed by officers in Tulsa and likely this uh, man who was killed in Charlotte, North Carolina. This is an issue that is, of course, raising its head over and over and over again right now in our society. It, it, It is the inspiration for my description of the racial moment I think we are experiencing where the tensions that exist between police and uh, African-Americans in the community are at uh, maybe an all-time high. I'm not sure if that's true or if we're just seeing more of what those tensions look like because uh, of the advent of cell phones and cameras and things like that. Uh, But of course, these, these tensions have their roots in historical tensions in this country uh, between the African-American community and the rest of America. They have their roots in slavery and in Jim Crow, uh, in segregation. And uh, I have been very insistent that we talk about these problems in that context. Don't strip out the history. The history is what powers the inequality that we see now. The history is what maintains uh, the systems that uh, that enforce this kind of inequality on African Americans. Uh, but I also insist that we talk about it in terms of hope and solution and not uh, in terms of uh, doom or or the, the idea that we can't solve these problems. Dialogue, of course, I think I believe is one of the really important ingredients uh, to that solution finding. We need to talk about these things. We need to talk about these things in the context that they belong. We need to be truthful about what is happening and why. Uh, so today we want to uh, talk about that up front. 
in the first segment and joining me to help us sort through what's happening on both sides here, uh, obviously in Detroit. Great tragedy with a police officer being killed, uh, but also sort of echoing this tension between the African-American community and police. And of course, we see in Charlotte and Tulsa, uh, the more common uh, and traditional uh, method in which this these tensions are are, are showing themselves. Uh, Carl Taylor is a professor of sociology at Michigan State University and publisher of thirdcity.org. Uh, he joins us to help sort, sort this out. And also, again, go to Facebook, uh, the WDET page there. Go to Twitter and hashtag us at Detroit Today uh, to participate in the conversation. Carl Taylor, welcome back to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, I really love talking to you uh, on the show for any number of reasons, but I also have to admit that uh, I'm always sort of uh, sad that, that we have to sort of have you on to talk about really the same thing, really the same issues over and over again. Uh, each time uh, you and I sit down to have this conversation, it's because we are reminded again of what's going on uh, in the country with regard to these tensions that I was talking about. Uh, and usually it's after something pretty tragic has happened here. We've got three incidents, uh, all within a very short uh, period, that remind us of the danger that's involved here, uh, that remind us of, again, I think the history uh, and, 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 and our, the importance of understanding uh, that history. And, uh, of course, we, we have just the, the, the sadness uh, of, of the things that have happened sort of uh, jumping right into our face and telling us uh, in unequivocal terms that, uh, that something has to change. Uh, first, let me get your reaction to the news that we've had out of Charlotte and Tulsa and uh, Detroit. Well, of course, none of it surprises me. Um, I hate hearing it, but I'm not surprised at all. Uh, the one in North Carolina uh, is uh, very discouraging because we went from peaceful demonstration to, if the reports are correct, that I have seen that they actually began to have uh, violence, okay. and that doesn't help anything. Uh, my response to the officer in Detroit is one of uh, great sadness, and, and I do understand that the officer was well-respected uh, by his peers, but also that he, as you pointed out, did the right thing. Uh, and he was a father, you know, in the private life. He was a father and had young children and a wife. And so that loss is great for the city of Detroit and for his citizens and for the police department. And at the same time, the Tulsa situation uh, really, again, uh, is, is outrageous, uh, and we have to keep cooler heads, and that's not, these days, has not been easy. You talk about social media. I know every time I make these comments, and I love doing this show, uh, and this is one of the best shows to do for me, but I have to tell you that I'm accustomed, and I'm not accustomed to, the hate mail and the very derogatory things that are said because I don't agree with people. And then some of that's not just from those who are, say pro-police, there's some from the community that say very ugly things that 
Well, let's just say they don't make my day. Right, right. Uh, I, of course, can relate to uh, <laughs> those ugly comments. My email box and my uh, Facebook and other social media are really interesting experiments in hate speech uh, uh, often. Uh, and, and I think that, uh, you know, I think that's a really interesting point to sort of uh, drill down on a little bit is that African Americans are very frustrated are very angry, uh, as we saw in Charlotte last night. Uh, the, you know, we were right on the, the 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 edge of that anger showing itself in a, in a non peaceful uh, way because of the things uh, that are going on. But but I also get the sense that uh, a lot of white people are very angry as well, very frustrated. And um, what's difficult for me, I think. Number one is to is to really fully understand what that anger or frustration is about, because I think in a lot of cases it's it's just about not wanting to sort of face up to the things that 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 go on in this country. But at the same time, you know, the way somebody feels, you can't describe that as illegitimate. It's the way they feel, and and to reach them, to reach the point where you can have a dialogue with them about getting to a a, a better space. You, you almost have to understand where they're coming from. You almost have to be able to acknowledge that their anger has a place in this. And I think uh, I have a hard time with that. I have to be honest. Right. Uh, I think we've reached a point that frightens me. Uh, even with facts, there are those who refuse to acknowledge the facts. And in a democracy, there's a set of rules that we go by and to be civil and to listen to the other person and realize that we may be mistaken. I think it's further complicated by the fact that many families, uh, many parents, and many of these people that are very angry uh, on both sides uh, have been socialized to believe that they are right at, at all costs. But now we've moved beyond a point of just being bizarre because you have facts established, you have courts that said this is the rule, and people now are changing the game in, in the middle of the game, which is unfair. And so then they poison the mind of their children. Uh, I see it in the university when students and I have opportunity to uh, go back and forth to have a preconceived idea of what I'm about. Uh, I am apolitical uh, as a public intellectual. I'm not taking sides. I try to stick with the facts. Uh, but we now find that so what you said that I don't care. That's all lies. I don't have to believe you if I don't want to believe you. Right. Um, that's very troubling to me. Yeah, uh, Tyler on Facebook uh, is chiming in with uh, with I, I think a reflection of some of that frustration that we're talking about uh, among uh, among white uh, white people, and I'm assuming that Tyler's white, but uh, maybe he's not. He says the video doesn't contain the entirety of the story of what happened. Reserve judgment, analyze only contained facts, and be at peace without probably ever knowing. The whole story. Uh, here again, this, there's this pushback against. Well, don't believe what you're seeing. Don't believe. Uh, don't don't think about the dynamics here in in terms of the way history informs all of these things that are that are happening. Uh, there must be a a solving explanation for these things. There must be a, a non-racial explanation for the things that were happening. Uh, that we're seeing happen. Um, talk about how how you how you answer something like that. How do you answer someone like Tyler who's saying, "Yeah, uh, you think you're seeing somebody 
uh, shot uh, without resisting, but but there must be more to the story. Yeah, it's like the old joke Richard Pryor used to say, you know, when he, he had a girlfriend and he was cheating, and then he would say to the girlfriend, are you going to believe your lying eyes or are you going to believe me? <laughs> that's right. Um, I think the, the point, though, again, that you have an unarmed person, and that's what is sinking very deep with many people, black and white, and, of course, there are those who, as you said, the, the blowback to me, that refuse to consider or to admit that we need all the facts, but we see a lot right there. But I think when you have statements that people have said to me uh, since yesterday that, well, y'all need to learn how to be uh, obedient when you're told to do something as the police, in which, you know, part of that is common sense, but it's this authoritarian as if it's, you know, you have to use that with good judgment and discernment. That doesn't mean you shoot somebody because they you're going to use the excuse that I thought they had a gun. They're professional. You're supposed to be trained. I think there's a lot of fear, and a lot of fear of the police also. They have a tough job, but they're supposed to be screened psychologically. Are they fit for this type of work? Uh, because you shoot well does not mean you should be there in that type of work. You also have to have the temperament. And so we also have to be able to admit it's a two-way street. And that's what usually gets us off to a horrible start, as this is what you know, someone just wrote there, is that, you know, don't believe what you saw. And I know myself personally that I found it appalling what took place with Eric Gardner in New York. He was choked to death. And then I hear that, I read that he's been, the, the person who did it, the police officer, has been promoted. And yet there was never an apology. And he was killed over a cigarette. And then we had the collective body of certain police there in New York wearing shirts saying, I can't, you can't, if you're talking, you can breathe. All of that is really more than rubbing salt in the wound. And right. there is, you talk about leadership. Where is the leadership? If my kid is misbehaving, as I was taught by my family, that they still love me, but if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Carl Taylor, professor of sociology at Michigan State University and publisher of thirdcity.org. We're talking about the recent news about uh, police killing unarmed black men, uh, both in Charlotte, North Carolina and Tulsa, Oklahoma. Last night in Charlotte, a protest erupted uh, and there was uh, apparently some clash between protesters and the police. Uh, we also have the news here uh, in Detroit that a police officer was killed uh, recently uh, doing his job. Uh, he didn't shoot uh, a man who could have killed him, uh, and instead he was shot uh, and died of his injuries. All of these incidents, of course, uh, raise the, 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 the questions about the tensions between police and the community and the African-American community in particular, uh, they raise the question about uh, life and the value of life, uh, not just on one side, but on both sides. Uh, again, if you want to join the conversation this week, we need you to go to Facebook, our, our page there, WDET, or go to Twitter and hashtag us at Detroit Today uh, to, to make your comments and we'll work them into the conversation here. Uh, Carl, uh, Neil on Twitter says, and I think this is a really interesting uh, and and compassionate comment. Uh, some of us white folks aren't upset because we don't want to own up. We're upset because we actually care. I mean, I think it's really important to talk about uh, the number of people who have become aware, I think, or more aware 
of the things that have been going on for a long time and that there is a multiracial response to these things. It is not just African-Americans who are uh, reacting to this and, and saying it's not okay. You have a lot of white folks too who are who are very uh, very clear on the fact that this is wrong and understand again those historical connections to race uh, and inequality. Yeah, they are, and and I agree. I think the problem that we have is that we become very tribal. It's a us versus them, and I think both sides at times will treat uh, each member internally as a traitor if they don't uh, agree with the same views that they have, uh, that you have traded the race, uh, you're a traitor to, you know, the cause, that the police are all bad or all blacks or Latinos or whoever it is are all bad. And that divide right now is very strong in this political uh, atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, what is it that you, I know you do a lot of work on both sides of that police community divide. And I think more than anyone else we have on the show, you really understand uh, the police side of, of these things, the danger that they face, uh, the, emotional, um, the emotional stress of that job, and uh, the things that, that go on in black communities that make the job of the police uh, even tougher sometimes. And of course, a, a lot of times that's very separate from uh, these sort of unarmed shootings that we see. Uh, when you think about the the officer who was killed in in Detroit and some of the underlying issues uh, there, there again, there are serious problems that we don't seem to be willing to to, to really talk about. Yeah, I, I think that one of the things that I've taught in police academies, and I'm always looking at the the humanity, the humanitarian. Um, that I knew a lot of good police even when I was younger, and I grew up in Detroit, and some people find that hard to believe, but I wasn't <laughs> taught that. But in any event, that uh, we talked to police about uh, looking at the whole environment and the people and getting to know them. That's why the walk and the beat used to be good. I'm worried in this technological age, do we get to know people? But right. the fact is that you humanize both sides. That That's what we look at. We look at that this police officer has a family. We want to respect this police officer, and in return, he's going to respect you if you bring respect to the table. One bad apple does swallow everything on either side, and we have a difficult time admitting that many times, that the police officer that goes out and beats someone unmerciful and gets support or silent support, that destroys uh, the communications, the bond that we're trying to form. And I find departments that do quite well have uh, the leadership from the, the chief, the assistant chief, uh, the sergeants, the guys in the field, who understand that we have a tough job out here, but we have to remain professional. And the name-calling and how you treat someone, and a lot of times, rookies in particular, are, are just so scared of people that the question becomes, are they overreacting? And again, I go back to, have they been psychologically uh, screened? Some people are muscles, and they have everything except the temperament to be a police officer, to be fair, to have a sense of balance, and vice versa. Young people have to be taught by their parents. Uh, I didn't agree with, uh, he's not Commissioner Braddon anymore, but he says that he had to have that same talk with his sons that uh, black families have about their sons, about what to do and what not to do. To a degree, that's true, but that's still not the same because we're the ones that are ending up continuously shot unarmed and with no apologies. That is the beginning of forgiveness or understanding that we made a mistake here. Again, I go back to Eric Gardner, and I think that this is what's taking place 
in uh, many black communities, sure. at Freddie Gray or whatever, there's no apology. You get off in the court, and it's like they flip you the bird. Like, you know, this is why we have this discontent, and it, it is, I think, in many ways, it's just festering. Yeah. Festering to the point that it's uh, hateful. Do you, do you think uh, that the the unwillingness to say or to acknowledge uh, that this is wrong when it happens and that there is a problem uh, that leads to these to these killings is related to America's inability to articulate apologies for? The historical roots for these things. In other words, if I can't say sorry to you that you your ancestors were enslaved, if I can't say sorry uh, that you spent a hundred years in segregated schools and facilities, if I can't say sorry uh, that that we denied you the vote a uh, hundred years after uh, the Fifteenth Amendment to the Constitution uh, uh, was 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 ratified, why should I say sorry? Now? Absolutely. Uh, absolutely, and, and it does. It makes things. I mean, Stephen, you put it so well. But that is the problem. That if you can't say sorry about that, and then in, instead, not only is it not neutral, it's that you know we have this blowback or these uh, rhetoric that um, you can go back to Africa. No one says you go back to where you came from, but you can go back to Africa. Right. You can go back to wherever you came from. Speaking of other groups, also. There's this defiance, and that one is a patriot and one is not a patriot. One doesn't belong here. Your membership is fake or whatever. Um, so that attitude uh, and that inability, and I think it shows in young people. You know, one of the things that drives me crazy. Meantime, young people don't know how to say, even when they're wrong, that I was wrong. I'm sorry. You know? right. It's one of the things that I practice very strongly, uh, despite people probably thinking I'm arrogant. When I've made a mistake, and this is, this is more than a mistake, you do apologize. That would be a great giant step in the right direction. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Carl Taylor, professor of sociology at Michigan State University and publisher of thirdcity.org. As always, thanks for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you for having me, Steve. Absolutely. All right. Coming up next, is literacy a constitutional right for kids? And should you be able to sue the state if it denies literacy? To large numbers of children. We're going to talk about it next with a constitutional law expert at the University of Michigan. Stay with us on Detroit Today.